0: Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning, and welcome to Monday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, literally Heather. Happy Monday morning to you all bright-eyed, and bushy-tailed kings and queens tuning into the show today. I was going to start off the day with a couple um, assembled lowers, but y'all hit Palmetto State Armory's Easter sale hard. A little too hard, as they're all sold out at the moment. With that being said, today's deal is on a Geisele two-stage G2S trigger. The regular price of that trigger is $249.99 today, you can pick that up for only $119.99, which is a pretty badass deal if I do say so myself. The link, as always, is in the show description. Please check that out. Now, Biden is licking his wounds from yet another L and is now appealing to the Supreme Court to hear its appeal of a lower court ruling against a federal ban on bump stock devices. The administration is defending the ban imposed under Donald Trump, arguably one of his worst decisions as president, against a challenge by Michael Cargill, a gun shop owner and gun rights advocate from Austin, Texas. In January, the New Orleans-based 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals sided with Cargill and concluding that the ATF, a Justice Department agency, impermissibly reclassified bump stocks as machine guns, which are forbidden, under U.S. law. That decision threatens significant harm to public safety, the Justice Department said in its appeal on Friday. Bump stocks allow a shooter to fire hundreds of bullets a minute with a single pull of the trigger. Like other machine guns, rifles modified with bump stocks are exceedingly dangerous. In its 2019 rule, ATF reversed a previous conclusion and classified bump stocks as machine guns, defined under the 1934 NFA that we love so much, said no one ever, as weapons that can automatically fire more than one shot by a single function of the trigger. Federal law prohibits the sale or possession of machine guns, punishable by up to 10 years in prison. Cargill sued challenging the ATF's rule in 2019, which required him to surrender his two bump stocks. He is represented by the new Civil Liberties Alliance, a conservative legal group, and in January, a full slate of Fifth Circuit judges ruled 13-3 in Cargill's favor, but left it for a trial judge to determine whether to throw out the ATF rule. How about we just throw out the NFA and the ATF all together? That would be great. Let's do that one. As America faces the twin threats of inflation and bank failures, three U.S. congressmen introduced a pivotal, sound money bill that would enable the Federal Reserve, note dollar, to regain stable footing for the first time in more than half a century. Rep. Alex Mooney, joined by Andy Biggs and Paul Gosar, introduced H.R. 2435, or the Gold Standard Restoration Act, to facilitate the repacking of the volatile Federal Reserve note to a fixed weight of gold bullion. Upon passage of H.R. 2435, the U.S. Tre- Treasury and the Federal Reserve are given 24 months to publicly disclose. Disclose, God, I cannot talk today, you guys. Disclose all gold holdings and gold transactions, after which time the Federal Reserve note dollar would be formally repegged to a fixed weight of gold at its then market price. Federal Reserve notes would become fully redeemable for and exchangeable with gold at the new price with the U.S. Treasury and its gold reserves backstopping federal reserve banks as a guarantor. Monetary experts have noted a return to a gold standard would substantially curtail the economic damage caused by inflation, runaway federal debt, and monetary system instability. A gold standard would protect against Washington's irresponsible spending habits and the creation of money out of thin air. Prices would be shaped by economics rather than the instinct of bureaucrats. No longer would American families, businesses, and the economy as a whole be at the m- mercy of the Federal Reserve and reckless Washington spenders. The Gold Standard Restoration Act also makes several findings as to the harm the Federal Reserve system has inflicted on everyday Americans, particularly. Since President Richard Nixon temporarily, quote unquote, suspended gold backing of America's monetary system in 1971, H.R. 2435 points out the Federal Reserve note has lost more than 40 percent of its purchasing power since 2000 and 97 percent of its purchasing power since the passage of the Federal Reserve Act in 1913. Historians have observed That the elimination of gold redeemability from the monetary system freed central bankers and federal government officials from accountability when they expand the money supply, fund government deficits through trillion dollar bond purchases, or otherwise manipulate the economy. Notably, Rhett Mooney's bill would also require full disclosure of all central bank and U.S. government gold holdings and gold related financial transactions over the last six decades, a seemingly taboo subject surrounded by mystery and deception. In the years leading up to Nixon's panicked temporary suspension of gold redeemability, abuse of U.S. deficit spending and currency debasement had prompted many foreign central banks to turn in their Federal Reserve notes for gold. However, this disgorgement of America's gold holdings was largely conducted in secret. That's why H.R. 2435 also requires the Fed and the Treasury to disclose all records pertaining to redemptions and transfers of U.S. gold in the 10 years preceding the temporary suspension in August of 1971 of gold redeemability obligations. Government cannot continue to spend and print on a massive scale, without producing existential threats to the currency and our economy. I think that's obvious at this point. Um, That was said by Lawrence Reed, who is president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. The gold standard never failed America. Bad ideas and bad politicians did. If we did nothing, disaster awaits us, just as it drowned earlier civilizations that spent and inflated their way to ruin. I 100% support this, which means it 100% likely will never happen. The level of accountability is something that no politician serving in office today, shy of maybe Thomas Massey or Rand Paul, actually wants a bill like this to pass. I would love to hear both of their perspectives on this, though. In today's What the Actual Fuck and Why on Earth Would You Do That segment of the show, I bring to you the science fiction reality that is not, in fact, fiction, and tell you a story about an AI that created robots out of living tissue that then started to reproduce, called the Xenobots. If this sounds like a Jerry Bruckheimer blockbuster, you would be mistaken. When we think of a robot, what usually comes to mind is some kind of synthetic servant, a metal clad machine controlled by electronics. While it may do choice for us and perhaps even talk to us in ways that seem intelligent, we would not regard it as alive. But what if, instead of building robots out of hard, lifeless materials, we built them out of the soft materials that nature relies on? What if we built them out of cells? This is the approach that researchers in uh, Professor Josh Bongard's lab at the University of Vermont in the United States are taking... Oh, thanks, Josh. We're very grateful this is the approach you're taking. For the last four years, they have been designing and creating Xenobots, miniature machines made from living frog cells. Bongard explains the team's approach, quote, If you make a robot out of metal and plastic, the pieces themselves have no intelligence. We're approaching robotics in a completely different way. We're building from components that are themselves fantastically intelligent machines. I feel like these people are psychopaths. They wake up one day and say, "What scientific advancement can I participate in that will bring the end to humanity as we know it?" I'm just kidding. um they're worse than that. They think they're doing it for good reasons. Uh, nature has been inspiring robotics for decades. It's led to actuators based on real muscles that allow robots to move more easily. Elsewhere, pads that mimic gecko's feet let robots climb vertical glass. Xenobots, by contrast, are made from nature's own building blocks, according to Dr. Victoria Webster Wood, who is an expert in biologically inspired robots at Carnegie Mellon University. This type of approach enables us to directly harness living materials' natural adaptability. What's fascinating about Bongard xenobots is that they can be made from normal cells taken from frog embryos. No genetic tweaks required. Although scientists already knew these cells could move on their own, in the case that they're being used as materials to generate predictable robot-like behaviors, such as herding particles around a petri dish, cooperating like sheepdogs, and even birthing balls of other cells that might be regarded as quote, xenobot babies. While it's not clear what is in the xenobots internal workings, or rather those of the frog cells that make them behave in this way, their capabilities do make them potentially useful for all manner of tasks, cleaning up microplastics, for example, or as the researchers outlined in their first paper on the xenobots, published in 2020, crawling to the site of diseased tissue in humans to help restore them to health. The article in the show description is actually a really cool one. It goes in-depth of the proce- like into the process of how the xenobots are actually created and how they behave afterwards. I do encourage you, if you find this interesting, to check it out. I'm not going to take up a ton of time in the show to do it, but I wanted to at least mention it to you guys. AI is going much further than having a conversation and writing poems on the internet. Uh, this next story is pretty mind-blowing and then also not at the same time. I like to consider my state fairly quote-unquote free in the grand scheme of comparison to the other 49. However, a U.S. appeals court ruled on Friday that an Indiana high school that forced a music teacher to quit after he refused on religious grounds to use transgender students' preferred names did not, in fact, break the law. The school did not break the law. The rights of the teacher, John Cluge, to exercise his religious beliefs were outweighed by the potential disruption that his conduct could have on the learning environment at Brownsburg High School in Indianapolis. The Chicago-based Seventh U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said that Kluge said, "I'm sorry." They said that, that that was the case. Kluge said his Christian religious beliefs barred him from complying with a school policy requiring faculty to use students' preferred names and pronouns. The school initially allowed Kluge to call students by their last names, but reneged after receiving complaints from students and faculty, according to court filings. He said he resigned in 2018 after he was told that he would be fired. He then sued the school in 2019, accusing it of violating a federal law that prohibits workplace discrimination based on religion. He was seeking to get his job back and unspecified financial damages. Cluge is represented by the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is a conservative Christian legal group. Rory Gray, a lawyer with the group, said that he was evaluating Cluge's options. The 7th Circuit's ruling shows why the Supreme Court needs to fix the standard for accommodating religious employees, Gray said in a statement. Lawyers for the school did not respond to a request for comment. Federal law only requires employers to accommodate workers' religious beliefs if it would not cause them an undue hardship. Kluge, in his lawsuit, argued that allowing him to call students by their last name would not create a burden for the school. The Seventh Circuit on Friday disagreed, upholding an Indiana federal judge's ruling that dismissed the case. Cluge's last names only practice stigmatized the transgender students and caused them demonstrable emotional harm. Circuit Judge Ilana Rovner wrote for the court. In a dissenting opinion, Circuit Judge Michael Brennan said that it was unclear whether the school could have mitigated any disruptions resulting from Cluge's conduct, and that a jury should decide whether his rights were violated. Or maybe, and I know this is such a novel concept, the courts should just adhere to the fact that our rights are unalienable, which means they are unable to be taken away from or even given away by the possessor. That First Amendment is super fucking clear. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The fact that this is Essentially, legislation from the bench is yet another massive breakdown in the separation of the three branches of government. I believe this case will end up making its way to the Supreme Court eventually. Oh, man, I love seeing the EPA show up again. Um, They are expected to announce the new standards, which will impact cars manufactured between 2027 and 2032 next week during or well, this week, I guess I should say during a ceremony in Detroit. In a statement, the EPA confirmed the standards are designed to incentivize consumers to purchase electric vehicles. As directed by the president in an executive order, the EPA is developing new standards that will build on this historic progress and support the transition to a zero-emissions transportation future, lowering costs for consumers and protecting people on the planet agency statement continued. Because they are currently under interagency review, the EPA cannot comment further on the rules. The proposal expected next week is set to be introduced as the Biden administration continues its aggressive push for more Americans to switch to electric vehicles and to electrify home appliances in an effort to combat global warming. Biden set a goal shortly after taking office for half of all cars cars sold in the United States to be zero emissions by 2030 and has repeatedly visited electric vehicle manufacturing facilities the future of the auto industry is electric Biden remarked there's no turning back despite the massive push from Biden and his dem- his administration and democratic led states For Americans to more quickly adopt electric vehicles, traditional gas-powered cars represented 93% of all new car sales in 2022, and electric vehicles remain far more expensive and less efficient than alternatives. Overall, the average cost of a new electric vehicle was $64,338 while the average cost of a compact gas-powered car was $26,101 as of last year. In addition, the Department of Energy reported that the average range of model year 2021 gas vehicles was 403 miles, compared to the median 235-mile range of a model year 2021 electric vehicle. In addition— The EPA's ambitious standards are set to come shortly after the Biden administration proposed a series of rules on how it would implement electric vehicle tax credit provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act. Under the provisions, consumers will only be able to receive tax credits for electric vehicles that are manufactured with a certain amount of critical minerals and components from the United States or nations the United States is in a free trade agreement with. However, because the U.S. supply chain currently sources an outsized share of its critical minerals and electric vehicle battery components from China and other foreign nations, the rules will greatly restrict which electric vehicles will actually be eligible for any tax credits. China currently boasts seventy eight. percent percent of the world's cell manufacturing capacity for electric vehicle batteries, according to a Brookings Institution analysis that was released in July. We talked about that on the show, actually. Uh, With that being said, it's just yet another thing that forces us to be dependent on China, and that's a mistake. Police in New Mexico fatally shot a man Wednesday night after responding to the wrong house during a domestic violence call. Once on scene, officers mistakenly approached the wrong address, knocked on the door. The statement from the state public safety authority said the officers identified themselves as police, but no one answered. The statement said, Officer body camera video shows that the, as the officers backed away from house, the house, The homeowner opened the screen door armed with a handgun. One or multiple officers fired at least one round, striking the homeowner, who police identified as 52-year-old Robert Dotson. After Dotson was shot, his wife emerged in the doorway and opened fire with a handgun, the public safety agency said, prompting return fire from the officers. Once she realized that the individuals outside the residence were officers, she put the gun down and complied with the officer's commands. Dotson was pronounced dead at the scene by the office of the medical investigator. His wife, who was uninjured, has not been charged with a crime. Well, I wouldn't fucking think so. In a video statement, Farmington Police Chief Steve Hab acknowledged the mistake and said he was heartbroken by the circumstances. He said after the officer's released statements, body camera video will be released within a few days showing a chaotic scene. Hebb said it was a very dark day for the Dotson family, the community, and the police department. This is such a horrific and sad story, and I feel really bad for this woman for losing her husband in a situation where... It wasn't even the right house. But please tell me again how the police are the only people that should be allowed to have guns. Anyway, a second batch of classified documents detailing the United States analysis of global hotspots has been leaked online in a suspected Russian plot. Ooh, man, that language feels familiar. More than 100 documents are feared to have been obtained in what a senior intelligence official called a nightmare for the Five Eyes, which is a reference to the intelligence-sharing agreement between the U.S., Britain, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. The documents cover the war in Ukraine, China, terrorism, and the Middle East. The Pentagon confirmed the leak, but said that some of the documents, as with the other reported leak, have been doctored to downplay the strength of U.S. allies. The first tranche of documents appeared to have been posted in early March on Discord, according to Eric Toller, an analyst at Bellingcat, the Dutch investigative site. Friday's documents were published on the controversial message board 4chan and subsequently spread On Twitter, the documents include photographs of charts of weapons that will be delivered to Ukraine as well as estimates of troop and battalion strengths. Pentagon officials said the documents were real but appear to have been altered. One of the documents leaked on Friday was a map showing the status of the war in the Ukrainian town of Bakhmut, which for six months has been the center of fierce fighting. It was not clear if the map had been altered but on Thursday, a slide published online exaggerated the scale of Ukrainian deaths and downplayed the Russian losses. The leaked documents also referred to U.S. analysis of the situation in the Middle East and China and terrorist threats worldwide. Sources told the paper they were not believed to have come from Ukrainian officials. Of course not, because why would they do wrong? in part because the documents came from the offices of the Pentagon's joint staff, and Ukraine did not have access to them. Not once, but twice? Either our Pentagon is leaking like a sieve, or this information is being released intentionally to create misdirection for Russia. I guess we'll find out which soon enough. Just quickly, and because I think it's worthy of mentioning, in his annual letter to shareholders, J.P. Morgan Chase Jamie Dimon suggested that the U.S. government and climate-conscious corporations may have to seize citizens' private property to enact climate initiatives while there's still time to stave off climate disasters. You heard that correctly. Dimon declared Tuesday that governments, businesses, and non-governmental organizations, or NGOs, May need to invoke eminent domain in order to get the adequate investments fast enough for grid, solar, wind, and pipeline initiatives. In his letter, which touted the successes of the financial services company in 2022, as well as providing shareholders a vision for its future, Diamond made the case that it may be time to justify eminent domain in America to ease the climate crisis. According to the CEO, such drastic measures may be employed because time is short. The window for action to avert the costliest impacts of global climate change is closing, he said, along with mentioning his concern that the, quote, ongoing war in Ukraine is roiling trade relations across Europe and Asia and redefining the way countries and companies plan for energy security. The need to provide energy affordably and reliably for today, as well as make the necessary investments to decarbonize for tomorrow, underscores the inextricable links between economic growth, energy security, and climate change. We need to do more, and we need to do so immediately, Diamond added. The CEO justified this potential government and corporate seizure of public property, saying that We simply are not getting the adequate investments fast enough for grid, solar, wind, and pipeline initiatives. Why do you think you aren't getting those investments, Jamie? Because we don't believe in them garnering a robust ROI. You cannot make us want it. You cannot make us do it. If we get to the point where they're seizing civil assets, it's going to be a bloody day in May. All right, you guys, that is Monday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I love you guys. I hope you had a great weekend and a great Easter with your family. Um, looking forward to the week with you guys. I will see you tomorrow. Take care. Have a great day. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out ShouseInTheHouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.